Gabby Santana. Hola. <laughs> so I was just telling you offline, like, my listeners have been requesting you. That is so sweet. <laughs> like, that is so they have sweet. sent me your page. Like, she's Aww. in New York. Oh, I'm like, my oh, my God. I'm, mm. I'm going to reach out to her. Honestly, the following family that I would say in that I have in New York, they, they ride so hard. They're amazing. Like, so they hard. popped up at... I pop up, which we'll talk about later, I guess. Mm -hmm. Like, I ride for these women. That is so sweet. Yeah. How long have you been in this industry? Around seven years. Seven years. Yes. It started very randomly. It was mm -hmm. never planned. And I just grew this amazing group community that has been through a transition with me. Mm -hmm. um, and it's been amazing. It's been very beautiful. I love that for you. Yeah, me too. <laughs> I love that for you. I'm so happy we have you on the show. Um, talk to me about your sala growing up. Like, what were those vibes like? What were you watching? What was the music that you were listening to? So the music is a very nice key. Um, the people that have been following me for a while, they know about Salsa Fridays. My grandpa, every mm. Friday, he will sit out in el balcón con su salsita. Mm-hmm. And my grandma and I could be watching any random TV show, but it's always that faint salsa in the background. Mm. And no matter where I've lived in the world, between Miami and New York and L.A., that is one thing that I always do whenever I feel very homesick. It's not even like salsa like blasting. It's like just like a faint salsa in the background that makes me feel like grandpa's outside mm. in a balcon, mm -hmm. just like listening to salsa. Um, that's like a very like thing for me that just takes me back home yeah where'd you grow up in Bayamón mm -hmm. I am Bayamón ride yes. or die I bleed blue you, vaquera hasta la muerte <laughs> like nadie <laughs> yo soy de Bayamón primero de anywhere else okay yes. um, I read Bayamón very very hard yes I was raised in Bayamón I went to high school in Bayamón mm -hmm. um, I currently do not live in Bayamón mm -hmm. but I am very much de Baya yeah, yeah. What about you? You told me that you're from Puerto Rico. Rio Piedras. Ay, Rio. Yes. Nice. Yes, yes. Okay. And I felt this connection with you because, so that, here's here was the, like my take on it, right? Mm -hmm. And the way you spoke of Puerto Rico. Mm -hmm. You spoke about Puerto Rico like if that was your boyfriend. Like it was a character in your life. Like it yes. plays such a huge <laughs> role. It's like, there's mommy, there's papi, there's Puerto Rico. Yes. <laughs> like, yes, 100%. Like, and Talk I, to me about that because there is like a pride and a love that's there, but for you, it's like even deeper. I feel that every Boricua, mm -hmm. no matter if they're part of the diaspora or if they mm -hmm. were born and raised in the island like me, mm -hmm. we have this very intense connection to this piece of land. Mm -hmm. And honestly, I feel bad for the people that don't have that. Yeah, I've been in relationships where they like, they have to learn about Puerto Rico because mm -hmm. it's such a big part of my life. Yeah. And they tell me, like, I wish I had a connection to a place the way that you have a connection to a place. So for me, mm -hmm. that's a blessing. Porque yo, yo puedo estar en Puerto Rico, yo puedo estar fuera de Puerto Rico, and no matter where I'm at, if I meet a Puerto Rican, it's an instant connection. Yeah, it's, it's instant, instant family. Yeah. And that is not something that a lot of people have. Mm -hmm. So for me, it's, a, it's, a, it's truly a blessing. And I thank my mom 
Gracias, mami, every day for raising me in Puerto Rico. Mm -hmm. Because it just, it was a very nice childhood. It really was. What was it like for you? Um, so Bayamón is not the safest place in Puerto Rico. Mm -hmm. It was very much the hood. Yeah. But for me, it was this mayhem that even though it was technically not the safest, it's where I felt the most safe. Mm -hmm. um, I would have my bathing suit under my uniform and go to the beach because we were skipping class. Mm -hmm. um, I... From everything from our music to our Noche Puerto Riqueñas, that everyone would dress either as an Indian Taino or a Spaniard or an African diaspora. Like it's, it was always such embedded in our, like the culture in our mm -hmm. day to day that I really can't imagine being raised anywhere else. I always say the same thing. <laughs> Growing up, I would tell my mom, when I die, I want to be buried in Puerto Rico. And my yes. mother would tell me, uh, you're going to be buried wherever. <laughs> wherever you die, Donde caiga, where you're going to be buried. <laughs> and I'm like, no, I want to be buried. That's where I was born. That's where mm -hmm. I want to be buried. And she just like can never understand like why I just... It's I, a beautiful place. I'm like, just if I die in New York, please ship my body to Puerto Rico, mm -hmm. please. Like I have to be buried in Puerto Rico. And then another amazing part about this... This little island is mm -hmm. the people. Yes. Um, and I can give a hundred different explanations, but I think the one that could resonate to a lot of Puerto Ricans is Hurricane Maria. Yes. It was a moment where no one had support other than the people around you. Mm -hmm. You couldn't call out anywhere. You couldn't get help from outside. There were neighbors and people around you that were giving you food and giving you water. Mm -hmm. And that's something that you don't see here. Yeah. You really don't see here. Mm -hmm. I kind of, I also admit that living in Puerto Rico and being raised in Puerto Rico, I was kind of raised in a bubble. What do you mean by that? Like, what do you mean in a, in a bubble? Because um, you also said, like, it wasn't safe. So what do you mean, like, a bubble? It wasn't safe because there's crime around, right? Just right. like you were raised in New York. New York is not the safest place in the world, but it's your mayhem. So right. you know how to navigate it. Right, right. Um, Puerto Rico was definitely a bubble because when it came to race, we are all Puerto Rican. Mm -hmm. Even though you look completely different mm -hmm. to me, mm -hmm. we could be cousins. That's right. Um, there was a lot of, and still is, a lot of colorism. and internalized racism mm -hmm. but it wasn't as prevalent mm -hmm. so i would hear a lot of microaggressions but the, i didn't really understand them until i left puerto rico mm. um things like mass shootings um neighborhoods where there's groups of different people mm -hmm. you don't really see that as much right, right. in puerto rico so yeah it was a bit of a bubble um, that quickly bursts as soon as I left the island. But it gave me that sense of innocence as mm -hmm. a child that I could just play and enjoy my childhood right. rather than having to worry if someone was going to gun down my school or this mall because people of color tend to be in that area. So it's a blessing. Mm -hmm. But it also, 
I had to learn a lot when right. I left. What was your family dynamic like? Like, who did you grow up around? Like, what was that for you? So I was raised with my mom. Mm -hmm. My dad passed when I was very young. Okay. Um, and I was raised with my grandparents, which are still, que Dios me lo bendiga, very live. Yes, and you show them a yes, lot too. Yes, I do girl. show them a lot. And yes. I do love, I love this so much that my following love my grandparents as much as I do. Like, yeah. they could see my grandparents out and about and they would tell them like, hey, like, I follow your granddaughter, Gabby. And mm -hmm. they get so excited. They have no idea what that means. <laughs> My grandpa has no idea that he's Instagram famous. Yes. Um, I, one time a brand wanted to hire him for a commercial. No way. And he was like, ¿Qué es eso? No. I'm like. <laughs> And he's like, but why me? I'm like, because you have a following, Grandpa. <laughs> like, people love you. And he's like, I don't understand that. Yeah, yeah. Um, so I was raised with my grandparents. And I was raised with my uncles and my grandparents' um, brothers and sisters. Mm -hmm. So I was very, with my great-grandmother, I was very much raised around my ancestors. Which I love that. Which is a blessing. Yeah, I really do yes. love that. I was also like, I, I grew up, well, you know, I lived in Puerto Rico for some time and then mm -hmm. I moved to New York. But when I moved to New York, I actually stood in my grandfather's apartment mm -hmm. for a while up until I got to high school. And even when I got to high school, I would go back and forth from my mom's house mm -hmm. to my grandfather's apartment because for me, my grandfather felt like home to me. Yes. And he always brought me back to my roots. Yes. And even when I, when I, um, when I went to public school here, mm -hmm. I lost all of my Spanish um, and I only spoke English, but he was the one person that like him and my dad, they spoke to me in Spanish only. Mm -hmm. And that's why I still have it. Mm -hmm. But it's it, it was just that sense of connection, like that sense of root, that sense of like, yes. you're not going to lose this part of mm -hmm. you. I won't let you. And yes. he was so authentic. So I wonder if you had that same kind of experience. Yes, because but different because I'm. I'm in Puerto Rico with my grandparents, right. so I, we never had to fight to keep our culture alive that a lot of Latinos in the diaspora have to do. Mm -hmm. Like, that's one thing that I was very lucky that I didn't have to do. Right. But my grandparents, till this day, they, they love you a different type of way. And they take care of you a different type of way mm -hmm. that is extremely nurturing and healing. Mm -hmm. Because for them, you are a second opportunity mm -hmm. that maybe they couldn't do with your parents because they were busy working. Mm -hmm. um, and you can see that. I see that a lot with my grandparents. And they're very much a, no matter what you do, we love you and we support you. Mm -hmm. We might not understand what you're doing, right, right. but we know that you're doing okay. Mm -hmm. So whatever you, they, they, any event that I have in Puerto Rico, um, any big pop-up for my brand, mm -hmm. absolutely anything, they come, they show up. I love that. Yeah. What have you learned the most from them? Oof. Um, I have to say my grandparents are very, very loyal people. Mm-hmm. Um, and I am very, very loyal. Like I'm ride or die. Yeah. And they are like that for their people, for their family, like for the family. My grandma, if you need something, she will be there. Yeah. 
Like you it, can rely on her. You can rely on my grandmother. Mm -hmm. And I very much inherited that from them. And I take a lot of pride in that as well. That people know that Sonia and Rafa are people that see what they're saying. They're, they're going to be there. They're going to be there and you can count on them. Yeah. And yeah. that's beautiful. That is. And that's something that a lot of people take for granted. Mm -hmm. What was school like for you? School was awesome. Yeah? <laughs> wow. School in Puerto Rico is the best because <laughs> it's just fun. For me, high school was uh, so much fun. I have friends from high school that are family mm -hmm. to this day. Um, it was... A little bit different for me mm -hmm. because I was that girl in school that had a New York accent when I was speaking English because I had mm. family here. Okay. So whenever I would talk English with anyone, it would be with my family. Therefore, I would say yesterday. Mm -hmm. And they're like, what is that? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Um, but I do remember a lot of school parties, um, a lot of school trips, I just remember a lot of happiness and perreo and beach parties and just having fun in an island. You know what I love about this? Because <laughs> sometimes you hear like traumatic stories. Like, no, I have story no. Is like the polar opposite. I have it's no like, traumatic stories in high school. Yeah. Um, I, you can say I was a popular girl, but I was friends with everyone. Mm -hmm. Um. I would dance. I was a I was a classical ballet dancer. So for me, it was school practice. Mm -hmm. Like that was it. I really would, didn't have much time to get into trouble if I wanted to. Right, right. Um, but it was all very positive experiences. Um, yeah, I would get into fights and stuff like that. But it was nothing that nothing yeah. that I would say impacted my life in a negative way in high school. What did you want to be when you finally got older? And you're like, I want to be I this when to be I grow J -Lo. up. Don't we all? That's who I still want to be, actually. <laughs> I literally, by the way, I was cleaning out my closet and I came across this card that my mom wrote to me for my birthday. Okay. And she wrote on the card, don't be J-Lo, just be you. Because I would always say, I want to be J-Lo, I want to be J-Lo. And I would have, like, pictures of her on my wall. Yes, so, correct. Yeah. So I was a dancer. Mm -hmm. um, J-Lo was a dancer. So for me, like, first of all, she was the only Puerto Rican that I knew that was on TV. Mm -hmm. And I just, till this day, she's amazing. Of course I want to be J-Lo. But I wanted to perform. Yeah. So I actually auditioned. Um, got into NYU and was about to audition for their Titch program, which is their dance program. Mm -hmm. And I got this like just weird feeling. And I told, I remember telling my mom, like, mommy, I'm actually going to stay in Puerto Rico. And I'm going to go to Sagrado Corazón. Mm -hmm. And she was like, are you sure? Like, I can move back, you know, we can mm -hmm. move, I can move to New York. It's not a problem. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, no, no. I'm going to stay here. And then a couple of months after she got sick. So mm -hmm. that was like the angels from above. My dad telling me like, no, actually don't leave. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. You have to stay home. You have to take care of your mom. Yeah. But I always wanted to dance. I wanted to be on Broadway. 
Like that was the dream. I wanted to be a prima ballerina. And it wasn't until I had an audition um, for this prestigious ballet group in Puerto Rico. Mm -hmm. And they told me I had the best audition, but I didn't have the body type for a ballerina. AKA I was too curvy. And if you see pictures of me in high school, you know I was not curvy. <laughs> I was so skinny, but Ooh. I had a butt. Come on. Well, how so, did you take that? Because that would be... I was devastated. Yeah, I would I was be devastated. Like... I said all the Fs Yeah. Um, I was, I was pissed. So yeah. I took that and it kind of took me away from classical ballet. And I started doing contemporary, other type of dances. And I danced in... Um, Sagrado's dance team and like I kind of my love for it kind of started changing and then I decided to study public relations mm -hmm. um, because my aunt was the head of PR for Walt Disney and she was an Afro-Latina mm -hmm. so I was like I want to do sorry, I want to do that mm -hmm. and I started studying PR finished graduated from Sagrado Mm -hmm. And then I moved from Puerto Rico to Miami to, Miami to work in a PR firm. Mm -hmm. Quickly later realized it wasn't for me. What was it about PR that you um, found out that it was not for you? Public relations, while very important, mm -hmm. it didn't have the quantifiable data behind it mm -hmm. than marketing does for example. And I just felt like I had to kiss a lot of ass mm -hmm, mm -hmm. in that field. Like I had to basically suck up to any journalist to write about my clients. When mm -hmm. with marketing, I'm like, no, this is actually working. Here's the numbers. So explain, <laughs> explain to us the difference because sometimes those worlds I would can love merge. to <laughs> no they they do, they do merge and people don't understand they, like absolutely. there is a difference between public relations and yes. marketing public relations is basically the public's perception of something mm -hmm. and that is influenced by media mm -hmm. that is influenced by influencers that is influenced by anything but there isn't an actual number behind it marketing is I am going to sell this product, this service, mm -hmm. and the goal is for you to purchase. So that's like the difference between marketing and PR. Like for marketing is I'm going to sell you this thing for this amount, mm -hmm. and based on the amount of sales or the amount of people that signed up, like that is our return of investment. Mm -hmm. And it's a lot easier for, to sell. And it also was a lot more fun for me Mm -hmm. So I moved from PR into marketing and I moved to New York with no job. And I was just like, I'm going to do it. And I did it. <laughs> How, wait, no, hold on. New York is a very tough market. Yeah. And, and the whole thing with New York is you need to have multiple jobs to survive yes. here. But I had multiple jobs in Miami too. I was working right. in a firm I think I was making like 35, 40 grand mm -hmm. in Miami. That's impossible. Mm -hmm. So I would work during the, you know, during the week in the agency. Mm -hmm. And then during the weekends, I would work at a club. 
where did I get all that energy? I have no idea Girl. where it is now. I would love to find I, it. When um, you find it, let me know. <laughs> I'll let you know. Um, so hustling and always working, that's always been a thing mm-hmm. for me. You know, mm-hmm. after my mother passed when I was in college, I had three jobs. Mm-hmm. Plus full-time school, plus a boyfriend, which we all know that's a part-time job, if not a full-time job. (laughs) Um, I was used to that. So Uh moving to New York and getting in that hustle grind mode was not not a shift for me at all. But was it a shift in the sense of, because you're saying it's not a shift, but there is a difference when you have been raised in Puerto Rico... Yes. And then you come to New York. Yes. Because I feel like every time I go back to Puerto Rico, it's like I could breathe. Like, I feel like the air is different. I feel I feel happy. Look, girl, I got pneumonia my first <laughs> my first winter here. My tropical butt was like, um, what is this? Yeah, what is this? I No, I, the cold and snow is not for me. I'm a tropical flower. I yeah. need 70 and above. Mm-hmm. 70 is cold for me. Right now I'm freezing. Yeah, yeah. Time for me to get go back home. Mm-hmm. Um, it was a shift because I've never been around so many cultures. In Puerto Rico, you either Puerto Rican, you Dominican. We do have a big Asian community, mm-hmm. but other than that, it's very much Boriodomi yeah. or Boridomi. Mm-hmm. Um, so coming here, that. I live right next to an Indian community. I live, you know, I work close to a Jewish community. Right. I'm interacting with all these, you know, people from different communities, especially because it's New York. Mm-hmm. But also, I never really interacted with white people. So this was a culture shock for me. Right, right. Because even in Miami, it was all Latinos. Mm-hmm. My agency was 98% Latino. Mm-hmm. We had two Caucasian employees. hmm so there was it was a big shift culturally for me. Mm-hmm. Hustle and grind mode, not so much because I was already used to that. I wonder how they viewed you. Oh, I was the token Latina. Mm-hmm. I was the token Black Latina, which was perfect for them mm-hmm. because I worked in agencies. So in every pitch deck for a new client, they would put me in it mm-hmm. because I checked a lot of boxes. Right, right, right. I am black. I am Latina. I am a woman. Mm-hmm. I just had to add the queer there and they get, you know, yeah. that's it. Yeah, yeah. Um, so it was, they very much used my image for their benefit within their agencies to make sure, or at least to give the illusion that they were inclusive. I had to defend my language a lot. Mm. Um, I would hear a lot of, wait, um, you're from Puerto Rico? What's the language that you guys speak? And I'll be like, oh, it's Spanish. And like, oh, what's the Latino language you would speak? I'm like, oh. Spanish. And they're like, but your English is so good. Oh, I hate that one. Your mm-hmm. English is so good. Mm-hmm. Um, my favorite response is, well, being colonized for 100 years can kind of do that for you. Mm. Um. It was, they were very wow. surprised, mm-hmm. very, very surprised that, one, I was as good as I was mm-hmm. in what I did coming from an island, um, that I could handle as much. Like it was, it was just a surprise for them that I wasn't what they thought was a stereotypical Latina. So you feel like 
you spend most of your time defending a thousand percent the fact that you were Latina and you yes. are, excuse me, that you are Latina, that yes. you had to constantly yes. say, no, make room for us. Mm -hmm. No, we're the ones. No, yes. like a thousand yeah. percent. Um, were you ever angry? Yes. But we're I, not... I, would, I would be filled with. Yes, but we're not allowed um, to really express our anger, especially in corporate settings. Um, I had to tone down my sexuality a lot, mm -hmm. if not all. Um, I had to, even how I speak would have to change. I, I had to become this corporate persona to one, not intimidate them, to make them feel comfortable, mm -hmm. even though it made me feel uncomfortable. Um, there was a point later on in my career where I was in a position um, that I didn't have to or I could push back a little bit. Right. Um, and I did. But at the beginning of my career, I very much had to assimilate, which was infuriating. Yeah. And I was going to ask, like, at what point do you just say F you and I'm just going to be who I am? Yes. Um, and do you remember that moment where you just kind of like fully embraced yourself and you're like, I'm not going to hold back. I'm just going to be who I am. Where I was in a position where they needed me or I felt that they needed me more than I needed them. Mm. Um, after I climbed that corporate ladder, I was like, okay, I don't need to do this anymore. Yeah. You need me. I can get a job somewhere else. That's, that's right. <laughs> um, I don't need to do this anymore. And there were times where people would still ask these questions, be surprised, and I would just give them these straight up answers. Mm -hmm. it, they would be taken back by it, but it is what it is. So you ever feel like you were in a position to educate them on the culture? Yes. Because um, I feel like that's such a teachable moment during those times where it's like, no, let me, let me, let me school you real quick. Yes. So... I would have to say around the topic of Afro-Latinidad because I did have a couple of coworkers that whenever they would hear the term Afro-Latina or they would see me and be like, you're not, you don't look Puerto Rican. What does that mean? I would get that a lot. You don't look Puerto Rican. I don't even know what that means. And that doesn't mean anything because yeah, like, I don't even it's know from a redhead yeah, like, to the most mulatto to blonde and absolutely. blue eyes and in between. Yeah, yeah. That is what Puerto Rican looks like. Um, I had to educate them on what, what our lineage is. Mm -hmm. You know, you have Spaniard that invaded Puerto Rico. Mm-hmm where we had Taino Indians and Spaniards brought slaves. Mm -hmm. So I'm a mix of all these three. Racially, I am very much black. Mm -hmm. Culturally, I am very much Puerto Rican. Mm. Doesn't, that's not the same thing. Right. So when they would be like, you don't look Puerto Rican, I would have to explain that. Mm -hmm. I don't have to explain that. I shouldn't have to explain that. That's right. But... If anyone is going to learn, we kind of have to. Mm -hmm. Also on why I speak English in Puerto Rico. You know, Puerto Rico, when we were invaded from um, Spain and U.S. came and took over, 
there were nine years where Puerto Ricans weren't allowed to speak English mm -hmm. or they tried for mm -hmm. us to not be allowed to speak English, where it was illegal to own a flag, which is why Puerto Ricans rep so hard for their flags, because there was a time where we could be incarcerated or assassinated because we they thought that we were against the government if we had a Puerto Rican flag. Mm -hmm. So I do try to take these moments to educate on the current issues in Puerto Rico, what's happening with the Jones Act, how that affects us so much, the mm -hmm. fact that we are a colony of the U.S., but mm -hmm. we don't have rights to vote. We don't have any representation in Congress. All the things. I can't, this can be a podcast just about no, you know the relationship of U.S. and Puerto Rico. Because you do use your platform, and I've noticed, to I educate. Try. And you do give a lot of context on the background of Puerto mm -hmm. Rico, down to like how they would use us in terms of like yes. um, getting abortions, right? Like that was mm -hmm. like a big thing. Yes. Um, and I don't so think many women people were are sterilized like, yeah. without their knowledge. And you actually dropped those gems. Yeah. Um, I wonder how your audience, for not your cult like following, because mm -hmm. you do have like that core following yes. that. No yes. matter what, they're going to ride or die for you. But then you also have those followers where they're just kind of looking, engaging the page. What do they say about that? A and lot are surprised. Okay. okay. A lot are surprised because they don't expect that type of knowledge coming from someone that looks like me. And also, they're taken back of the severity of what actually has happened or is currently happening. I think the ones that have this uninformed idea of the relationship between the U.S. and Puerto Rico could be offended. Mm -hmm. um, I'm sorry, I don't know what, how to help you. These right. are just facts. Right, exactly. Um, they don't really, they don't try to argue with me on something that is very much factual. Or if they mm -hmm. have tried, I'll just hit them with a... You can read this book. Yeah, exactly. Um, <laughs> Please educate yourself. I'm not the one. Right, right. Um, but I haven't really had that much of an issue. I think if the only thing I could have some backlash would be more on the term of Afro-Latinidad mm -hmm. and me identifying as a black woman mm -hmm. who is also Latina. Mm -hmm. I think that is one thing I've had more backlash. And it's more... Because I do have a type, I do have privilege within my skin color, mm -hmm. within my hair texture. Um, I was, you know, part of the curly hair movement when it started. Yeah. And I very much was the curliest hair you would see on any platform. Mm -hmm. Anything tighter than me was not seen anywhere. Yeah. Anything, any, any fours were non-seen. Yeah. Um, so I do recognize that I do have some, I do have privilege within my skin color. And that is something that I did have to defend, educate, be patient, ignore. Mm -hmm. um, it was more on that side. I think it's hard to, for like the older generation. And I'll say that because I recently had this conversation with a family member. Mm -hmm. And the question that I asked, and mind you, my one of my family members, she is Puerto Rican, mm -hmm. but she's dark, mm -hmm. right? And I come, I'm like, like my dad is like dark. He's Dominican. My mom is like, people would think I'm adopted because mm -hmm. both of my parents are dark. 
Um, but I remember asking her, like, do you consider yourself to be Afro-Latina? And she said, I don't know what that means. Mm -hmm. And I think, and correct me if I'm wrong, but a few people from the older generation are not privy to being Afro-Latina, one, mm -hmm. also the, the term Latinx. Yes. They're like, what does that mean? What does that mean? Um... So if, you, so if you could school us. Yes. <laughs> Please. And I kind of want to defend your family a little bit. Okay. Um, I do. I have had those conversations before mm -hmm. on family members that are four shades darker than me mm -hmm. that don't identify as black. Mm -hmm. And it is not their fault. They were very much ingrained to believe that black is bad. To try to hold on to that percentage of, you know, the lighter the better in their lineage, to hold on to it as much as possible. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. They were not taught to think that their skin is beautiful. They were not taught to think that their nose, their lips, their hair is beautiful. Mm -hmm. They were taught to think that the lighter you are, the straighter your hair, the lighter your eyes, the more beautiful you are. And we were very much raised, still to this day, our media is very much that. Mm -hmm. So that's why when people would be like, you don't look Puerto Rican, it's because all the Miss Puerto Ricos, all the Puerto Rican actresses, they were all very light-skinned. Okay. So when they say like, oh, I'm not black, it's not, it's like it's not as offensive as some people should uh, do take it. Mm -hmm. They don't know. They weren't raised that way. Right. So in moments like this, where I have had conversations with family members, and they're like, "No, no, no, mm -hmm. I'm not black." I'm like, "You are Puerto Rican. Mm -hmm. Yes. Eso no te lo quita a nadie. Mm -hmm. Esa mancha plateada no se va para ningún lado. That mancha is there. Yeah, yeah." But your skin, the color of your skin, mm -hmm. you are black. That doesn't mean that you are African-American. Because mm -hmm. that's another thing. They associate black as just African-American. Right. Your culture is Latino. Mm -hmm. But your race is different. And then when it comes to Latinx, their old school ways is very black and white. Yeah. Today is very much every shade of gray. Mm -hmm. So when we say Latinx and we're letting them know that we're just opening the space to people that identify as other, mm -hmm. they don't understand that because they weren't raised that way. That wasn't an, an option for them. Right. So again, it wasn't their fault. It's, and I think this is where when you're raised with your grandparents, this kind of, you know, you learn this. Yeah. Um, we have to be patient with our elders. Yeah. It doesn't mean that we have to agree with them. It doesn't mean that we're just going to let them think whatever they think. It's still our duty to educate them. But we do have to be patient that they've lived their entire lives. My grandparents are in their 80s. I can't expect something that was ingrained in them for 80 years to be switched just because the times are different right so right, right. it's our job poquita poco yeah i think the other thing too and i get frustrated with this I'm, is frustrated the right word that i want to use 
mm, annoyed. I'm gonna mm-hmm. say annoyed. Mm. Um, one of the one of the things that I was always self conscious in was my hair. Mm. I would never wear my hair curly, ever, ever, ever. Actually, if anything, my mom raised me to believe that pushing my hair back was more acceptable for job mm-hmm. interviews. Yes, and that having curly hair was like this untamed thing where it was like, I don't do it. <laughs> you know mm-hmm. what I'm saying? So I have, um, I have moments, right? Like right now my hair is curly, mm-hmm. but I do have a friend who would tell me, and I actually, I had to correct her mm-hmm. because I was like, please stop telling me that. It's so annoying that she mm-hmm. would say that to me, but she would tell me, your hair is giving uh, like a like Puerto Rican tia, like it's just giving it's giving tia vibes, and I would get so like, what are you talking about? Yeah, for someone to say your hair looks Puerto Rican is nuts to me. Like I don't even know what that means. It means that we have soft curly hair, basically. Mm-hmm. Um, I get you. I was raised straining my hair. I was raised being told to not go into the sun because I'll get darker. Um, and again, the people that were telling me this, in their mind, they were just trying to help me. Right. In their mind, they were just saying, it's going to be easier for you if you are lighter. It's going to be easier for you if your hair is straight. They're not wrong. It mm-hmm. was. It's true. Right. Um, talking about jobs. I, my first job in corporate America was with a Fortune, I think it's Fortune One company. Like, it's the biggest entertainment company in the world. Mm-hmm. Um, their guidelines for what's appropriate when representing the company, if you had curly hair, your hair had to be back how it is now. Mm. I couldn't have my hair curly and loose. Right, right. Because that wasn't deemed as professional. Like, that was a thing written on paper. (laughs) Um, And then in that moment, I was in college. I I was just happy of joining, you know, working with this company. I didn't think that that was uncalled for. Right. I, it wasn't until, I think it was like 25, that I decided to transition and use my hair natural. But that was a process for me. But even before that, did you question the company? Like, did you? No, I never questioned them. You never questioned. And made total sense to me. Like, of right. course, curly hair is isn't appropriate. Like, this is how I was raised. Yeah, but then at some point, you I, embraced it. Yes. So, what was that shift? Honestly, the reason why I transitioned had nothing to do with society or even myself. It was because I missed my mom. So my mom, my alarm clock growing up was my mom's blow dryer in the morning. Like that is how to wake up in the morning. My mom would blow dry her hair every single day. My mom had curly hair, very similar to yours. Mm -hmm. um, And she would always keep it pretty short as well. Mm -hmm. And it wasn't until one day she was like, I'm not going to straighten my hair anymore. Mm -hmm. I'm going to use a curly. The bigger, the curlier, the better. And I remember being like, you sure? (laughs) Are you sure about that? Mm -hmm. Because at that time, especially in Puerto Rico, pin straight hair, black and long was the thing. And I was like, mom, what are you doing? 
And she would tell me, Gabby, just leave your hair curly. My dad loved my curly hair. Mm -hmm. My dad would wet my hair whenever my mom would blow dry it. Like, he would be pissed. Like, no me le toques el afrito a mi nena. Oh. He's like, don't, like, leave her fro alone. Yeah, yeah. And she was like, you should keep, you should put your hair curly. Like, your dad loved your hair curly. Your hair curly is beautiful. But for me, it was not beautiful. Yeah. Also yeah. because I didn't know how to manage it. Right. My mom didn't know how to manage it because no one taught her how to manage her curly hair. Mm-hmm. She didn't even know her hair was this curly until she stopped. I didn't know my hair was this curly either. Right. Because my entire life, we've been straining it. Right. So you didn't even know its full potential. I didn't even know what it looked like. Right, right. So right. it was, I was in Miami and I was like, I just really miss my mom. And I was like, you know what? I'm going to leave my hair curly, which at that point point wasn't really curly it was like a wave because mm -hmm. my it curls were like <laughs> mm -hmm. my curls were gone it was yeah. some curls on the top and some straight stranglies on the ends and i did something to it that it looked decent and i had so many compliments that day so every mm -hmm. everyone that passed by me complimented my hair and i saw that like a sign from my mom being like hi i told you mm -hmm. and it was that moment that i was like you know what I'm going to start doing my hair curly. Yeah. And I did all the research on like how to transition. Mm -hmm. And I had one friend that was like, Gabby, can you like record what you're doing? <laughs> like a tutorial? Yes. Yeah, so, yeah. so I can know what to do. And I remember I did this no heat challenge on YouTube that had like half a million views in 2017. And that's a lot. Mm -hmm. Um, and it was all like how I was doing these little ringlets on my hair because my mm -hmm. hair was not curling without using heat so I couldn't transition. And that was the beginning of it all. Just with that one video, 2017. And it was- And now it's become like your staple. Oh no, now she, she pays bills. <laughs> <laughs> yes, yes. She pays bills. <laughs> um, but I did have to move away from the curly hair world because it, it was a lot and it still can be a lot sometimes. But I really did learn to accept myself mm -hmm. within learning to accept my curly hair. Right. Um, it brought me closer to my roots. It brought me a better sense of loving who I, like how I look. Mm-hmm. Mm -hmm. I have beautiful cinnamon skin and I have big curly hair. That is who I am. I shouldn't have to feel bad about that. I shouldn't have to defend that this is what I look like mm -hmm. because beauty standards are saying otherwise. Mm -hmm. And in around that time was where the natural hair movement started. Yeah. And I found my tribe within these different curly girl influencers that were part of this process with me. Yeah. Like there's like even like a curl fest. There's, there's a like curl a whole, fest. Yeah, like there's like a whole oh, thing. Oh, I miss curl fest. Yes, yes. Um, there's like a yes, whole thing. Yes, there's a whole thing. And it was in this community that I started talking more about Afro-Latinidad, that I started talking more about, you know, one, yes, how to take care of your hair, but also feel pride in your hair. Mm -hmm. I would go to interviews with my curly hair and, you know, mm -hmm. my phone would be like, oh, my God, are you sure? Mm -hmm. And 
I would do these events or weddings or wherever, and I would wear my hair curly. And in that moment, I was very much a staple of resistance. Mm-hmm. It was very much a protest. And it helped, it helped me grow into who I am, even mm-hmm. though it's something so simple as your hair. What do you feel defines you in this moment in your life? I don't think anything defines me. And the only reason why I ask, and that's a great answer, <laughs> the only reason why I ask is that you're very, um, culturally, you're in tune. Yes. Like, I noticed you have the manito. Oh, yeah, la sabache. Mm-hmm. Yes. This stays with me. It's actually the, the, the pinnacle item that started my company, my jewelry company, is the asabache. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't think there's anything that defines me. I think there are many things that make me who I am. Mm-hmm. Being Puerto Rican is one of them. Being a marketer, being a woman of color in this industry, being now an entrepreneur, um, being an entertainer, those are all things that are part of who I am. Um, is actually the reason why I kind of stepped away from the curly hair world is because I felt like it was consuming me. Mm. I was the curly Bella and everyone would call me Bella even though that wasn't my name. (laughs) And I was, people would be upset if I was straightening my hair for any reason. My God, my hairstyle is girl pop, Isa, I love you. Um, Also, you felt like you had to live up to that. I felt like my hair wasn't mine. I felt like I wasn't, I, I didn't belong to me. Right. My hairstylist received death threats. No way. Because we did a video acting like she shaved my head. Oh my God. Come on now. Like, why would you do that to Bella? Like, are you crazy? Like, that was like, that was too much. Yeah. That yeah. was too much. Um, and I feel like people, I feel like m- me, my hair, other people had ownership or thought they had ownership to that, mm-hmm. um, which is when I decided to change my handle into my name. Well, that's what I was going to ask you. Like, when, at what point did you take the ownership back? Um, when I decided that I'm a lot more than my hair. I, I, had, I, get, I made a name of myself in this industry. Mm-hmm. Um, I had articles written about me, but that I am so much more than what grows out of my head. Right, right. What if my hair falls off? Que Dios no lo permita. Oh, my God. Por favor. Yeah. Pero what if anything happens? I'm so much more than that. Right. Um, and I changed my name. People were pissed. But it is what it is. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm Gabby Santana. Mm-hmm. I have curly hair, but I'm also an entrepreneur. I'm also really good at what I do. Yeah. Um, Talk to me about that transition from like being an entrepreneur and like how did you step into that role? That was a very, very difficult decision. So my entire life, just like you, just like a lot of the Latinas that are listening, mm-hmm. um, we were raised to think that climbing the corporate ladder is the goal. Mm-hmm. I thought I was going to be CMO of a company. I still could be one day. Right. But for me, that, that was like, that's the goal. And it wasn't until I was in that position that, yes, I did amazing things. I hired so many Latinos. Mm-hmm. I did so many campaigns that actually spoke to the Latino community because mm-hmm. there was someone behind it. 
that right. was actually Latina. Right. Um, I did what I came to do, but it was sucking the life out of me. What part of it? I would be on calls from 8 a.m. to 7 p.m. Being an entrepreneur, you work harder. Yes, 100%. Than if you but had a nine to five. I never had, like, my corporate job was not nine to five. Okay. It was very much all day, every day. It was very much weekends. Mm -hmm. And I was working so hard for something that wasn't mine. And I knew that I could be replaced. They don't care about me. No. In corporate no, America, no. they don't care about any of you. Mm -hmm. You can be replaced. So when I would wake up every morning with stomach cramps, when I would finish a call and I would start crying and my grandpa would ask me, mija, ¿qué te pasa? And I'd be like, papi, I am starving and I have to pee and I can't because I have a call in two minutes. Yeah. That's not life. Yeah. That's not life. So choosing to leave corporate America and start something of my own was so scary. Yeah, yeah. Honestly, the only reason why I did it was because of my community, my social community. Mm. Because they were so, like, I was, they were giving me the, hey, where did you get that? The, hey, um, you should do this. That when I announced that I was going to launch Santana and Co., the support was so, it was, I did, I launched Santana and Co., and I got back my investment in 38 hours. So I heard that you, so you actually said that. Yes. And I was like, oh my God. But like, I never thought it was going to be like that. It was. Like, that's incredible. First that's of all, incredible. May I ask, how much did you start with? Like, what was the investment at that time? $20,000, $20,000, $30,000. Mm -hmm. um, and it wasn't at at, you know, all at once. Mm -hmm. I very much was like little by little, putting in money, putting in money, putting in money. Um, and we, in the first, not even 48 hours, I got all my investment back. And that, I know, coming from the corporate world, I know that is un, like unrealistic That's for like, many people. Yes. And that like was, I heard that and I was like, I need to know more. <laughs> like, what? I can give you all my tactics. <laughs> um, but that was the moment that I was like, oh, these people really do, you know, support me. Mm -hmm. And they really want to see this. Mm -hmm. They've been waiting for this. So Santana and Co., we sell asalaches. Mm -hmm. um, it's actually the first item that came up in my shop is an asalache mm -hmm. because I, n I never saw a place where you can buy an authentic asalache mm -hmm. that was in plastic right. online. Mm -hmm. And that was the item that's okay, if I'm going to sell something, I'm going to sell an asalache. Mm -hmm. Also, culturally, spiritually, it's part of my, you know, yeah. who I am. It made sense, yeah. And... From there, we just built this brand. And by we, I, I include my community. Because mm -hmm. that, I think, was the strongest tactic for Santana & Co. Is that when we launched, we launched our social media way before we launched, like, the actual brand. So okay. our audience was part of picking the logo, which is my dad's signature. Yes. 
Um, they were part... And the name. I, w- I want to get into the name as well. Yes. So Santana & Co. actually means Santana & Community. Mm-hmm. Um, people think it's company, but mm-hmm. it's community. Um, because we are a brand that was built by the community. Mm-hmm. Whenever I needed to have a little feedback on like what type of jewelry should we bring? Should I bring in piercings? You know... Everything is gold-plated. Should I have things that are not gold-plated, even though it's a cheaper material? Right. You know, maybe I'll sit at a lower cost. They're like, no, don't do that. They were, mm-hmm. be- they were very involved. I love that. And uh, so many aspects of bringing this company together. Mm-hmm. And I believe that's why we got the reaction that we did. Also, like, the videos, right? Like, in this company, you really get to see how you used your marketing background, which <laughs> I love. Thank you. Um, so down to like your social videos and involving your mm-hmm. community and saying, okay, like help me choose this. Mm-hmm. Like I very much want you guys to be a part of it. Yes. But then even down to like other people trying to emulate the brand, right? And, yes. And, and pretend that they were your brand yes. and oh trying to goodness. get money from I was the community. so pissed. At that. Like, how does that oh, even? Oh my goodness! How, and um, how do you even find out? Like, what? So it was. It was actually like the audience, like the yes. your consumers so that were our you? customers were mm-hmm. DMing and emailing us, like, "Hey, we're mm-hmm. getting this email saying that it's from Santana and Co. Um, that you'll give us this amount of jewelry and this amount of payment um, for images." Mm-hmm. And even though. I think what bothered me the most is that that's something I would love to do. Mm-hmm. I would love to be in a position where I can have, instead of a big, instead of like influencers, have micro influencers right. and be able to pay them well. Mm-hmm. I would love to do that. Right, right. But I'm a small brand, mm-hmm. so I'm not able to. So I think that was what bothered me the most, mm-hmm. that you're making me say no to something that I want to do. Right. And I think that... My response for that was just very much my personality mm-hmm. um, and my PR background of it taking so a clever. crisis and flipping it and making fun of that. But I was very upset. Yeah. I was very, very upset. And I just, the thing is that I know that's not going to be the last time. Yeah. Um, it also made me realize that we are being seen. Mm-hmm. That... Yes, we are a smart brand that we only launched not even two years ago from Puerto Rico. We are being seen. So I also took that as a compliment. Yeah. I love the brand just because I feel like it represents who we are. Yes. And that's what I love. We are bold. We are extra. Yes. We are strong. So the slogan for Santana and Co. is as strong as bold as as strong as your roots, as bold as you. Mm -hmm. Um, And for me, that was very, very important because when I'm talking about our muse, who we are selling to, these are people that are hustlers. Mm-hmm. These are people that they wake up and they're going. These are people that don't take no for an answer. That's right. These are people that work really hard for what they want. Mm-hmm. And I wanted to make sure that I had jewelry that can withstand mm-hmm. that level of fire. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That still kept you connected to who you are. Yeah. And I think I've... Yeah, that. you have. <laughs> no, you've accomplished that. What would you say is like the most uh, challenging part of your business? 
I think the most challenging part is not necessarily this part of the business, but it's more the mix of my background with this. Ooh, I'm used. I'm used to very big budgets. Mm-hmm. I'm used to. Oh, we're doing a holiday campaign. Oh, cool. I have two point four million for this. Mm-hmm. Or oh, I have a photo shoot. I have twenty grand for this photo shoot. Yo estoy bien mal acostumbrada with that. Mm-hmm. Like I, yeah. I am used to having that that amount of money to play with for these yeah. campaigns. I am a hundred percent self funded. Mm-hmm. So whatever we do is what I have in the bank account right. and what I can scrap together. So I had to I had to use my network. I had to use my resources. Mm-hmm. And as a proud Latina, you know that that could be very difficult for yes. us to do, to ask yes. for help. Why I, are we like this? I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. And it's so hard to ask for help, but I've had to do it. Yeah. I've yeah. had to do it. I've had to be like, hey so bad i hate that i have i know that you're worth more Mm -hmm. i know that and i think it's the pride in us it's the pride i know yes and it's also knowing the value of the people that we are asking these favors for Mm -hmm. like i know how much you charge for this Mm -hmm. i have this and i know that's not even close can we make this work but i'm also a very very firm reliever that everything you give, you get back. Mm-hmm. And I have seen that. Every single person that I have been like, hey, could I send you this? Um, or hey, could you be part of this photo shoot? Yeah. These are people that I have hired for other things and I have paid what yeah. they are worth. These are people that I have sit down with them many years ago and helped them with their business. Yeah, yeah. Without me asking anything. Because if I'm going to help you, I'm not going to ask for anything back. Mm-hmm. And I got that back. Yeah. So that was also a beautiful thing to see. That also adds to the fact that this is a community. You mm-hmm. know, this is a brand built on it. Right. And it's everything from the people that are buying it, then the people that are behind the scenes as well. For the people that are behind the scenes, how do you manage that? Because that's like a whole business in itself. Mm-hmm. And I always say that. Yes. So I am very lucky to have, she's technically an assistant. I don't like calling her that. Nati, I love you. Um, Shout out to Nati. Shout out to Nati. She, I remember, I put out in my stories, like, hey, I'm looking for an intern. I'm going to do this thing, and I need some help. Mm -hmm. And I had around 15 um, resumes sent over. Which for me that was also a shock. Yeah, that these fifteen women wanted to work with me, mm-hmm. and Natalia was one of them. And I remember when I interviewed her, I was like, "She kind of reminds me of me." <laughs> mm-hmm. And I was not wrong. She was like, "I would work for you for free. I just want to learn." I was like, "Ah, uh-uh, lesson number one. Yeah, you yeah. get paid, sweetie. Mm-hmm. You get paid. Period." Mm -hmm. Um, and she's been part of that process with me, but I think the reason why she is so great is also because I feed into her goals Mm. as well. That's important. Yes. I I try to be the boss that I never had. Mm -hmm. (laughs) I try to be that mentor that I wish I had when I was her age. She's 10 years younger than me. Mm -hmm. Um, 
and she is going to launch this um, cheesecake brand. And I'm always like, okay, this is something that you're going to use for your business. Yeah. You know, you're not very um, proficient in this and you're going to need that. So let's work on this. Right. And I feel like that's why she loves working with me. That's why she always goes above and beyond. That's why I can rely on her because she knows that I feed into her dreams as well. Mm-hmm. And she knows that this brand, like, is ours. Yeah. And I think whoever I bring in as well even if it's a consultant or other part-time or full-time employees, I very much like to work that way. Like, mm-hmm. okay, you're going to work with me today, but what are your dreams for tomorrow? Right, right. You know, what can I do to make sure that while you're doing this, I am preparing you for what you want tomorrow? Yeah, like you're also amplified in the process. Yes, because That's important. those are the people that are going to work the best. Mm-hmm. If I treat you like nothing, if... Uh, if you're just a paycheck to me, I I cannot expect you to go above and beyond for me because I'm not going above and beyond for you. Mm-hmm. That's how I am in friendships. That's how I am in relationships. And that's definitely how I am as a boss. Yeah. <laughs> how, um, how would you describe, I guess, the perfect collaboration for you in the future of your business? Because I'm sure we are now looking to expand. We are looking to expand. Um, we, I am preparing to collaborate with other people as well. Mm-hmm. I think that whoever we bring in or whoever we collaborate with, they have to amplify our message. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It has to be a brand that puts the community first. That's right. It has to be a brand that is not, you know, is very unapologetic. Mm-hmm. I will be damned. And I've been in the situations where I'm trying to collaborate with a brand and they'll tell me, can we use another model? Can we use this lighter skinned model instead? And I'm like, no, 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 no. Yeah. Absolutely not. Ahora sí que no. If I was thinking about working with someone else for this specific project, I'm definitely not doing it now. Mm-hmm. Um no matter who it is, no matter what brand it is, it needs to feel very authentic to what we've already built. Yeah. And it needs to put our people first. How do you scale your business? It's hard because I'm learning. Yeah. Um, I come from the going into a company that's already established mm-hmm. and then scaling that. Mm-hmm. I have to be a lot more patient now. And also as a Latina woman, that's not in our DNA. Yeah, no, we um, want everything right away. <laughs> I want it now. Yeah. Um, so scaling has been, it's, it's a lengthy process. Mm-hmm. It's not a tomorrow thing. Yeah. Um, you have to build the right foundation to do that. Mm-hmm. I'm not even two years in. I, even though we have grown so much, mm-hmm. there's still a lot of fun. The foundation is still leveling. Yeah. Um, when I launch a store, mm-hmm. even though right now we are in the Shopify store in Soho, mm-hmm. whenever I have my own store, whether I'm, or I'm doing brick and mortar with other companies, um, it has to be, you know, consistent going up. I don't want to push the brand to do something that it's not ready for so it can crash. Right. This is a long-term thing. Yeah. 
so I have to treat it as so. Um, even being now in a store, that's my way of just testing yeah. to see. I do a lot of testing um, how our our consumers react. Yeah, yeah. And they reacted amazingly. We were the brand that sold the most mm-hmm. or is selling the most in this store currently. So I already know that our consumers, when they see our our product in person, it it shows very well. Yeah, yeah. So I already know that a store could benefit us. A store might not benefit every brand, but a store can benefit us. Yeah, I mean, Um, you certainly have the following, so I feel like... And it keeps growing, and it makes me so happy to see that. And it's not just the amount, it's the quality. Mm-hmm. which is very important. That part. Um, I am I am working towards scaling. Mm-hmm. I am not in a rush to do it because I'm going to do it right. Mm-hmm. I want to touch on one more thing and I think is important for us to discuss mm-hmm. before we get out of here. <laughs> um, you touched on endometriosis. Yes. Yes. Why was that important for you to speak on that? Oh, God. they We don't talk about it enough. Mm-hmm. I was very lucky, so lucky, that I had a mother that took my pain seriously. Mm-hmm. You know how many friends I know or women that I've heard of that have not had that? Yeah. My mom would see me in so much pain, and she advocated for me when I was only 16 years old. Mm -hmm. I've been in so many situations where my condition is so debilitating that I cannot do what I came here to do. If I had my period right now, mom, I would have to cancel. Like it's, there's moments that I literally cannot do anything because of this condition Mm -hmm. and it's not talked about. There's so many women that have this condition that think that they are crazy, mm-hmm. that think that it's all in their mind because every time they go to a doctor, they tell them, that's normal. Mm-hmm. They're not being heard. They're not being heard. So I might not be a doctor. I might not be able to prescribe you anything. I might not be able to come up with a cure for endometriosis, but I am damn sure that I can make you feel heard. Right. And I am damn sure that I can make this invisible illness a little bit more visible. And it's important. Yeah. Also for guys. Oh, my God. You know how many men have no idea how serious this condition could be? Yeah. And they have these girlfriends and they have no idea the amount of pain that they are in. Mm-hmm. No, 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 no. This needs to be talked about. So I try to speak up on it as much as possible. I try to be as detailed in my when I'm describing how I feel because mm-hmm. it's not just cramps it's I can't feel my legs all right it's, it's deeper than that yeah. I I have these tingling sensations that go from my toes and they work all the way to my fingers and then it gets to my face and I pass out because I'm in so much pain and again goal is to have women that have this condition to feel at least heard. All right. You know, I, I want to, I really want to end this just because I'm really curious to know 
you use your platform in such a way where you are constantly spreading a message and giving mm -hmm. information. What would be the message that you would want to spread or share with your uh, audience in the next five years? Mm. I think the message that I'm currently sending mm -hmm. is that there is no one way of doing things and dreams evolve. Mm -hmm. Things change. You're not static. I'm not the same Gabby that you followed when you thought my name was Bella. Yeah. <laughs> I am not the same Gabby that moved to New York, that was working on this corporate career. I'm not the same Gabby that I was two years ago. Mm -hmm. neither, neither are you. You don't have to be. And even though you reach this pinnacle that this was the dream job and I'm here and I got it, it's okay if you start over. It's okay yeah. if once you get there, that's not, that's not what you want. Yeah. Right now, I'm launching, I mean, I launched this business, I'm working on this business. I can have two more businesses in the next five years. Yeah. And I started them when I, you know, when I was in my 30s, and that's fine. Mm -hmm. I might start another one when I'm in my 40s. And or my 50s. <laughs> and that is fine, too. Yeah. E you're meant to evolve. You're meant to change. That's a good thing. I love that. All right, we're going to go with some rapid fire. Let's go. All right, tell me you're Latina without telling me you're Latina. Ooh, my hoops, girl. <laughs> my hoops and my red lipstick. Yes. Oh. <laughs> if you can describe your style in one word, what would it be? Ooh, I have a very unique style. I don't even know how to describe it. Um... I would say like a sexy, cool, urban. You gave me like five words, girl. I have it. What does it mean to you to be Latina? Oh, it means to have a family no matter where you're at. What is this chapter of your life called? Mm. All bets on me. Oh my God, that's fire. Um, if you can have the last supper with three Latinas, who would it be? Hmm. I know this is very random. Um, but I feel like Edie Chacon does not get the homage that she deserves. Mm -hmm. She's the OG mm -hmm. Kim Kardashian. Okay. Right. Let's start with that. Mm -hmm. Um I would say my mom and Sonia Sotomayor, because if we have had to struggle and fight to keep our Latinidad in positions of power, this woman has truly Facts. done that. Facts. That's good. No, very random. Yeah. But... It kind of makes could, sense in my head. <laughs> no, it was good. If you could tell Puerto Rico one thing before you pass, what would you say? Mm. Puerto Rico libre. Love it. And last but not least, finish this sentence. Growing up Latina is? A blessing. Perfect. It is.
Gabby Santana, thank you so oh, much gracias. for coming on the show. I'm so glad that we caught you while you were here in New me York. Me too, me too. I know, I'm leaving in a couple of days, I so know. I'm very happy we did this. I will be mm. there in December. Please Girl, I'm going to shoot you a text like, I'm Please. here. Yes, yes, yes. <laughs> uh, honestly, Puerto Rico during the holidays is the best time Yo, to go. Yo, I love it. Any time of the year. But yeah. for me, like, La Navidad is like the air is different. Yeah, like, yeah. It just feels nice. Thank you so much for coming Thank on the show you. and making this happen. Thank you. It was so much fun. Let everybody know where they can follow you. Hi, I'm Gabby Santana. <laughs> you can follow me at the Gabby Santana on all my platforms. And my jewelry brand is Santana & Co. So please follow us there too. And yes, yes. Yes. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. <laughs>